What's up, Mill City? My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been a part of this church with my wife for the last 11 years and just love being a part of this community. It's been sweet. I can't believe it's been 11 years. What's up to you on Mill City Church Online? It's good to see you guys too. Glad you're with us. Um, there's a lot of energy in this room and I'm loving it. It's, I don't know if it was this movement right here. It just stirs something up inside of us. We're like, yes! Or maybe it's the TNT in the back of your car right now that you're going to blow up in a couple days. I don't know. Uh, but something has got us alive in here, and I love it. Today's topic is one that deals with 8 out of 10 of us. Statistically, I'm not going to accuse anybody, but statistically, 8 out of 10 of us in this room are dealing with this topic today. And if you're like me, you don't even know it. I started studying for this four weeks ago, and it hit me. I was like, oh, <laughs> eyes open. This is me. And so I feel that as I'm sharing about it today, this is not coming from a place of like, I've mastered this, and now you come along and follow me. It's like, uh, whoa, I'm, I'm right in the first part of this lesson, this topic. Um, there's two great benefits available to us as we study the scriptures today, uh, this specific topic. First one, we identify a practical step towards loving God with all of our heart. That can be such a broad idea. We're going to really drill in to a very specific way to do that. Secondly, we will address one of the reasons why our relationships are disappointing to us. Also, statistically speaking, most in this room can think of somebody right now in your life that there's some dysfunction, there's some disappointments, you wish it was differently, it's not going the right way, and this may be one of the reasons. I'm not saying it's the only reason, but today's topic will be, could, could give some insight to that. Uh, if you've not been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a series on Ecclesiastes, studying through the whole book, and within this book, the writer says 38 times hevel. He's talking about the word hevel means meaningless, but actually it's, a, it's a, a good word picture of smoke. Smoke, it looks like it has a solid form. Like you can see it has these physical properties, but if you go to grab it, there's just nothing there. And so the writer is trying to protect us, trying to teach us this biblical wisdom from basing our life, pursuing things where there's, there's no, no substance to it. Right? The writer is trying to teach us what really matters in life, redirecting our focus to God rather than on these other things we've been calling idols. And so we're going to use the tool that Pastor Aaron gave us a few weeks ago. It's so good. We're going to discern between icon and idol. An icon is this window that we look through, and it redirects our attention to God. And there's so many of those things around us. The mountains, when you walk in the mountains, it's like, oh my gosh, the glory of God right here on display. It redirects my attention upward. And so today, the, the topic we're, we're going to be engaging is, is an icon, is, is relationships um, that we'll get to. But the, the icon can quickly become the idol. And that's when we begin to love the icon too. We lose sight of God. It no longer becomes this window, and we get stuck on just seeing the icon. It morphs and twists into becoming an idol, something that we become too much in love with, too focused on, or it becomes too important to us. And so this teaching is going to protect us. It's going to guide us towards God. It's going to lead us towards life. So with that being said, I want to do a little check-in with you, my fellow family members. If you're like me, I've been going through this series each week and getting gut punched. Oh, yep, that was me. Oh, again, each week it feels like this message has hit me right where I'm struggling, and I realize I didn't know I had so many idols. 
And as the weeks go on, you're going to probably encounter some shame. If you're also like me, it can very easily feel like, I'm just a hot mess. Like, what's the matter with me? And that voice right there is not welcome. Okay? We, we have to allow the Spirit to correct us, but it's not condemning. Okay? We have to allow ourselves to be led towards life, but not feel like we're trash because of that. Here's a way to reframe it. Simply stated, we all come in here with the same disease, right? This disease is our sinful nature. And, and what we're doing is we're going before our great physician and we're describing our symptoms who he's going to diagnose us and lead us towards treatment. And so we're going to find health and, and healing in that. And, and there's no place for us to feel like, I'm terrible. I'm a bad person. We need the physician. We need healing. But let, let's keep the shame out of it. Okay? You ready to open your hearts to the physician today, to God Almighty? All right, let's, we're going to read the scripture, but we're going to allow the scripture to read us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 7 through 12. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless. Hevel, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Relationships. God has made us for relationships. They are one of the strongest icons in our life. They can redirect us to God in several different ways. I can think of probably six, seven, eight ways that it re, like a relationship has redirected me towards God. So I just want to point out my three favorite, the three most impactful icons that I experienced through relationship. One of them is being married to Hillary. My marriage has taught me, I will probably, I could start crying at any second here, <laughs> because it's so profound. It's not something I just now know up here. I have learned about covenant love since I was a boy. But I never experienced covenant love in a relationship, a natural relationship here until I got married, when my wife sees me in my embarrassing moments. You know those moments where you're like, I hope nobody saw that. It's embarrassing that I'm this way. And yet, she is still committed to me. It's covenant love. And when you experience that, it's, it's overwhelming. Or how about 10 years ago when my firstborn was delivered, the moments that we caught him, something blew up inside of me, like an intense, overwhelming love. And I couldn't, I, I've never understood unconditional love until I had a child. It's an icon that helps redirect me to God's unconditional love for me. I mean, let's think about it. Kids, we love you, but they just cost us a lot. <laughs> like, I haven't slept in 10 years and you think about all the things that they destroy in your house and the food. And, like, I don't, I don't want to give you the wrong idea, kids, but, but you haven't earned your love. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's beautiful. Right? As a parent, this is true for you and I, too. Like, there's nothing we could do to earn the love of God. And the fact that I could never do anything. My sons and my daughters could do nothing to get me to stop being crazy about them. Like, I just love them so much. And that unconditional love is an icon. Helps us understand how God feels about you and me. If you're not a parent, you're not married, 
There's other icons. Uh, just being a child. Like growing up in the house, I had to learn that the universe did not revolve around me. <laughs> it was a tough lesson. Still trying to learn it sometimes. But, it, but there's a higher power. There's God. You know, the icon we see God and his word is the authority. His truth is what's most true, not what I think or what I feel. And so I had to, this is an icon for us to learn that following Jesus, going the Jesus way is submitting to his authority and his way. So I want to be able to explore, like, how does an icon, there's such beautiful pictures of God that he has put in our lives that we need. So to be very clear, relationships are, are good. They're made by God. But how do we begin to pervert them and make them into idols? How do they twist? This is an important question we want to get to today. To start off simply, we have to evaluate how important are these other relationships to us. Importance can be figured out by the sacrifice you make, the priority you give them, the pursuit. Uh, there's there's a, a lot of different ways you can look at importance. Um, but eight out of ten of us, this is the study I was talking about earlier. There's a national study that all, you know, across the nation with, well, amongst Christians, like, could you say, eight out of ten said that, that they had another relationship in their life that was more important than God. Eight out of ten. So maybe that's true for a bunch of us in this room, too. It's true for me, if I'm honest, when I start to think about importance, like who's most important in my life. Here's how it happens. This is Tyler Statton. He's a, an author, a pastor out of Portland. He says this, the hang-up is and always has been trusting the God we believe exists. Pretty early on in the story, Adam and Eve started to suspect that God was holding out on them. They plucked the forbidden fruit in an attempt to get a full, abundant, happy life apart from God. They trusted themselves, not the God they believed in. And that is what the Bible calls sin. Good desire channeled through the wrong means. Sin is shorthand for any attempt to meet our deep needs by our own resources. Such good insight. Importance is tied to how we get our needs met in our relationships. And so for relationship idolatry, I want to give this definition. Any attempt to meet our needs through our people rather than God. Like going to people first, looking to them as the primary source for our needs and our heart. Uh, and this is the part when I was studying this, I'm like, who doesn't do this? Right? Like this is, I have known nothing different. If I'm feeling lonely, I'm going to go and um, I'm going to try to pursue friendship with somebody else. If I'm feeling like, uh, like unsafe, if I'm feeling anxious, I'm going to go pursue comfort for my wife. I'm going to, obviously, don't we all do this? Um, but let's take a look at how different relationships can begin to become the primary source for our needs. Let's take our kids, for example. Do I need my kids to be successful or great at academics or sports? or theater, or whatever their thing is, do I need them to be successful because somehow it's meeting a need inside of me? Or my marriage, do I need my spouse to convince me that I'm worth loving, that I'm worthy? Or my friends, do I need to be the center of my friend group? Do I need them to think of me first and always include me? I might be looking to them to meet a need. There might be some idle activity. They might be twisting. These relationships might be twisting away from icon towards idol. My boss, do I have this insatiable desire for attaboys? Like, great job. You just really crushed that project. Do I need people to say, to recognize me when I do something really good? 
Essentially, the question is, how am I showing up to my relationships? Am I coming needing to take whatever these desires are in my heart, or am I coming to give and to offer and to serve? Who doesn't come to take? Maybe, maybe you're two, one of the two <laughs> out of the ten here. Um, so let's ask the question, how is an idol destructive? The first one is we, mi- we miss out on this, this opportunity to connect with God. Authors Janet Hegberg and Robert Gulich, they wrote this book, The Critical Journey. It describes what does it look like to be in relationship with God. It's brilliant work. I'm reading it, and it's awesome. They say this, we believe that people enter into a relationship with God in one of two very different ways. Some come through a sense of awe and others out of a sense of need. So when you think about the way you came into relationship with God, it was one of those two. And if you think about the ways that you're encountering God today as you continue to meet with him, you will have this moment where you're like struck by awe at the bigness, the amazing awesomeness of God. And it reconnects you with him. Or you'll come into a hard moment. You'll come, into a, you'll come face-to-face with a need, and it drives you back to God. And, and so the needs in our hearts, the things that we have to get, the, the, the goal isn't to try to eliminate need. You have to become a robot. That's part of what it is to be human is to need. The goal of a need is to allow that to be a tool to bring us closer to God, to continually encounter him on an ongoing basis, okay? And here's the second reason why this is destructive for us, is that we will continually be disappointed if we look to others as our primary source for our needs. We'll be disappointed. Dan Allender, uh, he is a professor, author, he wrote this. He said, the Bible's answer to that question, why our relationship's so hard, is that deep down, we love only ourselves. Come on. Like, that's pretty harsh. (laughs) Love of self conflicts with loving another person. We want to be loved, but we find it hard to give love unless we get something in return. So this is challenging for me. Like, how often are my motives, do they seem pure, but actually I'm just trying to take by coming up and giving? How often have we withdrawn from people to whom we have been close because we were getting nothing out of a relationship? Or how often have we wanted to be with another person because that person was making us feel good and was serving our own needs? So if you find yourself disappointed in a relationship, I realize there's multiple reasons why you can be disappointed. But this could be at the core, is that I'm coming to them to meet my needs, and they will never be able to meet all my needs. They will leave me unsatisfied. It will feel like I'm grasping for smoke. There's nothing, a substance for me to really grab onto. So I want to have a moment to really let this, to like take this in. And uh, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and so I have to play a game right now. Um, So we're going to play a game called Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Um, It's going to be live version, you know what I mean? Because that would be so much fun. But we have two teams facing off here. We got brother and sister duo. I expect like a strong performance out of these two. Kalina and Kylan, what's up? Yes. We got two buddies. You guys have been friends since you were crawling around. Uh, We got Will and Solomon. Uh, He came ready to play. So the simple game is this, friends. You're going to take your basket, and you're going to try to get as many balls to your side as you can. Uh, So best of luck to you. Don't fall off the stage. we're going to count it down here from three, two, one. Get some balls. Oh, they went for the same pile. You got to pull them to your side, pull them to your side. Keep going. <laughs> pull them back, pull them back. Oh, balls are going everywhere. We got five, four, three, 
two, one. Stop, baskets, baskets up, baskets up. Let's see where we're at. Oh, man, I'm going to say brother and sister. You guys want it. <laughs> Kyla and Kalina, well done. Man, hungry, hungry hippo. You guys can stick around later. We'll have a tournament later um, <laughs> for more of that. We all have a basket. We all are on a scooter. <laughs> the, the point of today is what direction is your basket? If you're like hungry, hungry hippo, we've done what Tyler Statton said, and we're, we feel like we're all alone, and I've got to get what I need. I'm responsible for getting what I need. And I will begin grasping and going to my own resources, my own relationships to get what I need, okay? What God is inviting us to is to turn over our basket and to say, okay, I'm no longer going to trust in just myself. But I'm going to trust in you, the good provider, the good shepherd, to lead me and to fill my basket for what I need. So let's look at more specifically, what are these needs we keep talking about? I think the more specific we get into it, the more we can pursue God that way. And so the first need, these, by the way, were, um, you can find these in the book, Seven Desires. Dr. Mark and Deborah Lasser, they're psychologists, have operate from a biblical worldview. They've identified these seven things that every human needs. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It's universal for all of us. So need number one, heard and understood. I need to be heard and understood. Like if I'm sharing my heart with you, I, I don't want you on your cell phone. I don't want you distracted, and I want to feel felt. As in, like you get what I'm talking about. It, it matters to you. We all have that desire. Secondly, I need to be affirmed. I need to know that uh, there's approval for what I have done. Like, great job. I need to hear attaboys. Um, and when I make a mistake... It has to be okay. Like, I, I need to be affirmed. Third, I need to be blessed. Now, blessed is very similar to the idea of affirmed, but the difference is it's not about what I'm doing, but it's who I am. You're blessing me. You're speaking words of life to me because of my personality, how God has made me, the things I'm passionate about. Uh, it's less about action, more about who I am. I also need, this is our fourth one, I need to be safe. I need to feel safe, essentially, that my fears and my anxieties have been resolved, and I'm experiencing shalom, the peace of God, where everything is whole, everything is right, and it's good. Like My heart needs that. I cannot exist in a place of uncertainty. Fifth, I need to feel chosen, chosen, to be the one who's picked. Like You got selected for the job. You got picked to be on the team. You were invited to be the prom date. Like, we all desire to be chosen. Sixth, I need to be included. Similar to chosen again, but included is like part of a bigger group. Like, I belong. Mill City Church, this is a group of people that all are in solidarity around the name of Jesus. We worship him. We seek him. We try to become more like him. That is, that's a place where we belong. But it's also like, you know, maybe there's some solidarity around the Denver Nuggets now. Like, all of a sudden, we're like... We all have that in common, right? Let's not forget. <laughs> it's been a long time. Seventh, we all need to be touched. We all need hugs. Studies show that those who hug a lot have a lower risk of heart disease. Like, we need to be touched. That's why I slap you on the shoulder all the time. I just need, we all need to be touched. 
So God becomes the most important when we look to him to provide these needs rather than going to other people. This is what it can look like where I take out like any moment during the day through prayer, you'll encounter a need. You'll start to become aware of like, what am I needing right now? Maybe the clue is disappointment. Like I'm feeling disappointed in that, how that unfolded right there. Maybe the clue is like, I'm spun up or like something feels off. If we just slow down and be like, what is it that I need right now? Out of these seven desires, what is it that I need? And instead of my basket, which this is my ammo, this is what I know for the last 30 years probably, grasping for what I need, getting what I need. So I have to stop, flip my basket over intentionally, and just say, God, right now I feel anxious. I need to feel safe. So I intentionally am not trying to find safety by controlling it, controlling the situation, by trying to control others, or by spinning my mind around it a dozen times to try to resolve it in my head. I just simply then come to you as a child who needs and say, would you provide the safety that my heart desires. Or maybe it's uh, <laughs> you've worked really hard on something and you're about to go present it. You're about to go on, like, launch this project that you've been working on at work. Um, you're in this business meeting and you're about to share all your research. And you go before, instead of like, all right, I'm going to take what I need. I'm going to try to make them say things. They're like, wow, boy. Instead, flip my basket back over and I'm going to say, all right, God, I'm about to go in this meeting. I'm about to go take this test, and um, I just, I need you to speak to my affirmation. I need you to tell me that, well done, and that you're proud of me as my heavenly father, and like, good job. Um, I need that from you. I, I, it actually is pretty unsatisfying when I hear it from everybody else. It never really fully provides what I'm looking for. So God, I just need to know as my heavenly father that you're proud of me. Hold that basket up. We make our relationships with God the most important by seeking him to meet our relational needs. The only way we're going to do this is if we have faith. And the faith is in this, that God is faithful to provide what we need. We have to trust it. We have to trust it. And Psalm 37, 4 says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts. He's not going to give you the idols of your heart. He... Could he be talking about these seven things? Could he be talking about that when I, when I just go to God first, and I don't go to looking for it to others, I don't try to take it from others, but when I go to God first, that he, he I just know, I trust that he's going to somehow, some way, he's going to do it. And it may be in a supernatural way. Like, there's been a few times in my life where I feel like I have had my basket open, and I felt like the Lord came in such a profound, powerful way. Like, I lost my job 13 years ago, didn't know I was going to pay the mortgage. I was freaking out. I did not have my desire to be safe met. And I had this profound moment where God said, it's going to be okay. That was it. As I'm crying out, it's going to be okay. Now, it wasn't like my buddy or even my wife or somebody close to me telling me it's going to be okay. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, you're right. I know. Cognitively, I know that, but it doesn't, there's nothing like a real substance. But when God Almighty says it's going to be okay, Shalom entered back in my heart when I had no solution in mind. I had no way. And you know what I found out 13 years later? God's okay is actually quite good. Uh, he was, everything was more than okay. He, I can trust him to be faithful. He proved himself faithful to me in that supernatural moment. There was another time where I'm sitting at the dinner table all by myself, jamming out to music, eating, eating some delicious food, and the presence of God comes in the room in a powerful way, and I'm on my knees 
and I have my basket open, and he says, I love you. Now, I'm, I'm like 20 years into my walk with Jesus, and that's the first time that I felt a supernatural moment, a supernatural sense of like, whoa, I really believe it in my bones that God loves me. But we can also trust that God is faithful through him meeting our needs through other relationships. Back to the idea of the icons. That critical journey. In the book they say, we often first see God in the natural rather than the supernatural. So you may not have these supernatural moments I was just describing. I think you can. I have. And I, I, I plan to continue to experience supernatural moments. But there's some very natural moments through other natural relationships with people around you where we can experience the words, the needs being met through God. I, I think this is what Acts 17.25 is talking about. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. That he is the one behind every one of those action interactions. Colossians 1.17 says, he is before all things. I mean, he was already there before he showed up. He was already in that meeting. He was already in that conversation. He was already, he's already there. And in him, all things hold together. That in every conversation, he's there at work. He's moving. And so let our minds be expanded that when somebody, when somebody smiles at you and says good morning, also subtle, maybe it's what you needed to be seen, to feel affirmed, to feel blessed. And in that moment right there, that's, that's the point where we have to redirect our eyes to God and say, although Jeff smiled at me, God, I'll take that delight from you. I'll receive that from you, Lord. You're the provider of that delight that channeled through that icon over there. Or when somebody says, boy, man, you crushed that presentation. Way to go. Oh, God, I'll receive that affirmation from you. And here is the essential guardrail that we need. This is what protects us from going off the road and making an icon into an idol is we redirect our praise to God. We don't fix our eyes on the icon where God is working through. We see that God is at work in that and we return thanks and we return praise. I have to have a moment actually. When I, one of my needs is met by one of you, I will privately on my own, because I don't want to be weird, Privately on my own, I will say, God, thank you. Thank you that you met my need through that conversation right there. And what a beautiful community of people where we all show up to a relationship to give rather than to take. Can you imagine the fire that gets set by that? The love that spreads around in our community from that. If we become healthier people, that if we go to God first and we look to him as the, as the, as the God who's at work through all these people, the purity of hearts, the power of that love, that more pure love. How amazing. So here's the big idea. We make our relationships with God the most important by seeking him to meet our relationship needs. And when our needs are met through others, we give the credit to God. So to get this from our heads into our hearts, uh, and if I'm honest, this is where I'm at. I'm, I, I've studied it. I, I get it conceptually. And now I'm having a really hard time practicing it, um, which makes it hard to come and talk to you about it because I'm like, yeah, I'm still messing this up a lot. I'm still like have my basket turned over and taking, taking. But for us to do this, the, to get back to this core foundation of trust, the only way we're going to do this is if we trust God. And so this week, our weekly practice, two things. Let's all meditate on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Now, 
this passage was read in my wedding ceremony. It was probably read in a lot of your wedding ceremonies. We can start to equate it with, oh, this is like husband and wife love. I use this as a tool on my wife to tell her she's supposed to be patient with me. Uh, no, this is actually a chapter on agape love, biblical love that's centered around sacrifice and giving. It's not so much centered on the feelings of love, but it's more like I'm, my, my love is, is a verb. It's an action. And so as you meditate on these scriptures, understand that this is God's love for you. And as we meditate on it, it gets into our bones. As we read over it over and over again this week, it gets into our bones where we can trust. Okay, the only way I'm going to flip this basket is if I trust that you are faithful, that you can provide. The second thing is for this week, let's identify what needs are you aware of right now. You have seven of them operating all the time. You're seeking those needs every day throughout the day. Let's begin to name them and have moments on our knees, hands open, basket up, and say, God, right now I need to feel um, chosen. Right now, I need to feel safe. Whatever it might be, I need to feel loved by you. Would you join me in that this week, those two things? I encourage you to try it several days. Um, the caution, this is what I've learned from practice, is you may find yourself by Wednesday or Thursday like, oh, no, I haven't done any of this. Um, I've been practicing the wrong way. Don't fold. Don't be discouraged. We are all people on a journey trying to become like Christ, and, it, and it's and here's the thing is it's through the power of Jesus that it's going to happen. It's not going to be in your own will, in your own strength. The power that Jesus gained when he came here to the earth. He left the, the privilege and the pleasures and the perfection of heaven. And he came down here and he experienced every kind of relational dysfunction. He was falsely accused. He got slapped in the face. People betrayed him. He felt all kinds of rejection and pain in order to make a way for us to be in right relationship with God. That's where we get our strength. That's where we, it's through Jesus' power and his Holy Spirit that's going to transform our hearts. And there's maybe some of us in this room that are not in relationship with God. Like maybe you've, you were a long time ago and you somehow found yourself in here today far from God or maybe you've never, you never accepted that invitation into relationship. You can do it right now or you can come back right now by just saying, God, I give you my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to be in relationship with you for the rest of my life. And if you just prayed that right now, like that starts, that's the simple step. It starts the relationship with God. You'll see, will you join me as I pray for all of us? Our Heavenly Father, we declare that we can trust you and we can stop trying to be self-reliant, and we can learn more and more what it is to be God-reliant, to depend upon you. And so we flip our baskets to you and we say, would you fill us with our needs? We look to you as our source. God, we declare that you are the most important relationship in our life, and we want to keep icons, icons, and prevent them from twisting into becoming idols. We can only do this through your strength, through your power, through your grace. And so we don't declare for a moment that we can do this in a self-help kind of way, but we do it through you, Jesus.